Hey, this is Bruce Boudreau, and you're listening to Empty Betters with Nick Mack and Harrison. everybody and welcome back to episode 190 of empty betters i'm your host harrison shoals i'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host nick manella how are we doing my friend doing good i miss you guys already i feel like we get to see each other like a couple two three times a year and it's for like 48 hours max and we're running around doing a thousand different things at once but uh we had a good time i had a good time hanging out with you guys at that caps game and tearing up dc a little bit afterwards for sure uh, I think I will segue us hopping into our uh, little weekend shenanigans uh, by also introducing Mac Vogel, my other co-host up in Wisco. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, I echo what Nick said. It's always a good time getting together. Uh, but yeah, we always it, it usually involves some kind of elaborate plan to uh, either go see some hockey, drink some beers, or all of the above. Uh, certainly applies to what we did this past weekend. But uh, yeah, despite the score. It was a fun time. Caps lost real bad, but uh, you know, there's no better way to put that behind you than get after it with the boys. Big shout out to a friend of the program, Jed Manning, for kind of uh showing us some of the the hot spots in the uh DC area right afterwards, which was cool. And uh shout out Bowens too. That was awesome seeing him there. Yeah, it was great to get to uh, that was our first time meeting him in person. Obviously, he's been on the show a couple times already, so it was great to to see and get to chat with him and huge thanks to your dad once again. Big Vogue's coming up clutch like he always does, always taking care of the Pod Boys. So, big thanks to your dad as well. Yeah, that was awesome. Nick, shout out the uh restaurant we went to beforehand. Oh yeah, Taffer's Tavern. Uh if you're ever going to a Caps game, it's literally right around the corner from like where that Capital One entrance is. Just go up there like about a half a block. It'll be on your left. Unreal burgers, guys. Like I mean, those were so good for I don't want to say for no reason because he's a it, restaurateur, it, but like for just an average kind of like bar in DC, they were true, awesome. Though. Like you make a good point. There's a fuck ton of like sports bars right around Capital One Arena. And like I've been to a lot of them and most of them are fine. Like, you know, they get they get by. Usually you're going to pay 18 bucks for a burger. It's not going to be the best burger you've ever had, but certainly not the worst. But yeah, no, this place was actually really, really good. Well worth the price. Wasn't that expensive either. Uh, with Cherry, I still need to Venmo you for that. So I'm glad I just reminded myself. But uh, yeah, good time all around. It's nice that it's so it, close to the arena too. And the the staff there is really good about like, if they see you in a hockey jersey, they know to like get you in, get you what you want, and yeah. they'll help you get out of there quick too. Because it's, it's a win-win for them. Uh, and then the place after, I just want to talk about that real quick. What was that? Like Rocket Bar, Space Bar? What uh... Rocket Bar. Yeah. Rocket bar is a ton of fun. Uh, great deals on beer. Uh, basically like everything you would want in a DC bar. Cause there's not many of those places left in DC pool tables, good old basement bar. Gotta love it. Yeah, no, it was definitely a good time. Uh, once again, Jed, thanks for showing us around Stephen Baker. Thank you for coming. That was a, uh, absolute blast. So it was good to 
hang out with the guys. Um, we got a interview on tap with two guests who have recently been on the show. Uh, we've got Dan DeSalvo and Chris Nell coming back on the show. They were on a while ago, um, but it's good to have them back on. That interview will be coming to you very quickly. Um, just one last thing. How was your guys' Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. It's crazy as hell at my house as always. Um, it was actually a really quick one this year. Like I feel like we had eaten and we're almost done dinner by like four. Uh, and then everyone was gone by like four 30. And I think I honestly, guys, this is like my dream scenario. I think I was in bed by like eight. It was incredible, but, uh, food was okay. My family always does a great job with the cooking. Dad made a, a hell of a bird. My mom, uh, she does like her Turkey wings and gravy, uh, the, the day before. So, um, yeah, I think I ate like four times my body weight in, in food. Yeah, mine was good too. I, a uh, little bit of an unconventional one, but, um, it's always, it's always a little unconventional being my, my folks are, uh, you know, in two different places and, and whatnot, but they were actually both in the DC area this, this year. So, uh, I ended up going to two separate Thanksgiving dinners, one more of a Thanksgiving lunch and one more of a Thanksgiving supper, if you will, but had some great food. Uh, don't even remember the name of either restaurant, which just goes to show I was having a good time talking to my friends and family, uh, eating some good food, which is what it's all about. And, um, yeah, not much more to dwell on. I think, uh, we might as well get into it here, huh boys? Yeah, for sure. We're going to get into the interview and then we will chat all things Patrick Kane, John Hines, everything going on around the league, Corey Perry. Um, so we're going to toss it off to Chris Snow and Dan DeSalvo right now. All right, everyone. It's now my pleasure to welcome on two guys who it's been a minute, boys, but it's good to have them back. We've got Dan DeSalvo, Chris Nall. Uh, Great to see you guys. What's been going on lately? What have you been up to? Get us up to speed because I know it's been a minute. I'll go first. Um, so it's been, I think, a little over two years now since I hung up the skates. Um, Got to be honest, my bag is in my brother's cross space. I haven't even opened it. Actually, I did sell a pair of gloves, so I did open it. Um, but working for a international supply chain company, uh, working with manufacturers around here that um, either import or export product from overseas or to overseas uh so it's a very very unique job uh there's a lot going on i just started this one in february um so still trying to get my wings my wings open and learning a lot and you know it's been a good adjustment it's nice you know being in one location for more than six months at a time versus packing up all your stuff and either going to a new city or going back home so you know, I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, you know, I think I am liking to watch hockey more now that I'm not playing. So that's been nice. Um, but other than that, yeah, life's been good. Uh, miss hockey here and there more so just like the warm ups and being with the boys and, you know, messing around out there. But, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. So it's been, uh, been about a year just over a year for me now, uh, it's going on my second season being out of, out of the playing, uh, the playing days, uh, I've pretty much just right away transitioned. I took kind of a, a part-time sales gig that was really not even really a gig. Uh, I was kind of just commission based, no salary. Uh, my first year out and kind of just went right back into coaching, uh, 
kind of just dove into to a lot of the local like youth stuff and high schools around the area and actually landed a, a D3 job um, coaching the goalies in uh, Marion, which is about an hour from my hometown. And then uh, this year I'm, I'm kind of, I'm on staff with the, with the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL and um, been kind of on a, definitely more of an assistant role than I thought I was going to be. Uh, uh, obviously you always wish the pay was a little bit more, but I guess that's the coaching side of things. And uh, kind of actually been lucky enough uh, doing a lot of goalie stuff um, in the area, starting my own kind of goalie company um, here, uh, kind of just taking in as much as I can with youth stuff, high school stuff, uh, still kind of trying to do uh, some of that, the work with the D3, but a lot of my, uh, a lot of my focus right now is on, is on the gamblers and it's been, uh, it's been an interesting kind of transition. I think, you know, obviously being on that side of, of the, on the other side of the office for, for so long now getting into this, it's, it's been interesting to see the X's and O's in the video and all the stuff that goes into the the coaching side of side of things. Chris, when you say uh, your own goalie company, are you talking about like, is this like one-on-one coaching kind of stuff or? Uh... Yeah. So like this summer, um, um, last summer I did, I did just high school uh, kids in the area. Um, kind of just my, you know, my first group that I just decided to kind of, kind of grab and, and run with. And then, yeah, just a bunch of one-on-one stuff. And then I'm, I'm slowly starting to try to build out like, just a more consistent approach to, to goalie, like just goaltending in general in the area. I think obviously growing up in green Bay uh, and that's, you know, kind of the perfect situation coming back with the gamblers is, was just kind of finding consistency. Like I had to travel two and a half hours to get a goalie coach throughout my youth career and just kind of providing more consistency with it instead of just a one-off camp here and there. And, um, kind of just really focusing on like that consistent part of it. Cause I think that's half the battle. And when you get a kid that, you know, goes to 700 camps and learns the same thing at each camp, it's kind of tough sometimes. So. So you guys have obviously known each other uh, for a long time now. So I want to ask like each of you first impressions when you met the other one, what was like the first thing that, uh, that went through your head? I'll let Dan start that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it kind of goes back when Neller was at, uh, Chicago steel, my brother was one of the assistants there. Um, and I, were you committed when you came down your visit or not, not yet? Um, no, not yet. Okay. So my brother calls me and he's like, he's like, Dan, uh, one of the steel goalies is, is coming to visit Bowling Green. He's like, take them out, show them the ropes, all this stuff, take care of them. And I was like, okay. Um, and I don't think I had ever met him up until that point. Um, maybe just saw him in the locker room when I was with my brother or whatever. But in comes this scrawny, tall kid. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my God. What is my brother sending me? But so we go out, and I don't know if Neller had ever drank him before. And I think hold he said, no, hold on, hold on. That, that was the summer. I actually didn't go out on my visit. Okay. Well then, then maybe you were committed and you came on, you just came for. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then he just came for the summer or whatever. So we go out and I think it was, it was during the Stanley cup when the Kings won it. And so now was like, you know, I haven't really drank before. And so I was like, all right, you know, we'll start out. It's, you know, a couple small drinks. So he's three drinks in, 
he swears that, you know, I was filling them up like half vodka drinks and I was, I didn't, they were like more like a quarter or less. So he's buckled after three of these drinks and we're about to go over to the, uh, this girl's house on the soccer team to watch the game or whatever. And for some reason we end up in this girl's room. Everyone's watching the game on TV. And I look behind me and Neller's passed out and in her bed. <laughs> and we were just, and it was, it was a summertime. So only the couple of the guys were there and we were just like, Oh my God, this guy's giving us such a bad look. So we had a, we let him sleep. We watched the rest of the game. I bring him home and I was like, no, we're going to the bars after this. Like, you gotta, you gotta pull it together. And he's just laying next to the toilet. Not sure if you puked or not, but he just goes, "Can you get me a pillow and blanket?" So I go and get him a pillow and blanket, and he just falls asleep next to the toilet, and we go out. Nice. But I will say, by the time he came to Bowling Green, this guy was. He was the guy that came in with like those ice mountain bottles of water that was just filled with straight vodka and just drinking a water <laughs> bottle. <laughs> and then I don't know, was this your freshman year or is that still the summer? When you so we tell him we go, Neller, you're on the sticks, you gotta play you gotta play your first song at Bowling Green. And this is like what represent represents you. Yeah. He so gets that- that was actually, that was actually the same night that okay that, so I'll sleep yeah then that was oh that was before we went out yeah so we're like no we're playing a song that represents you and he puts on I'm sexy and I know it <laughs> so yeah I I mean from that point on you know I we talk about this all the time uh, you know we don't really know how it happened um, but you know once he got the Bowling Green we we just became real close um, I don't know we just establish this you know brother bond that we had um and honestly we've been best friends ever since you know we keep in touch here and there you know when we play against each other or you know even when we're in the coast um we just always kept in touch and then you know we got to play together in hartford connecticut for a year um actually got to live together in this really nice apartment uh had a little bachelor pad um i will say it was like having a child um, I was doing all the cooking while this guy was playing video games and I'd be like, Neller, dinner's ready. He'd be like, all right, I'm just finishing this game. <laughs> <laughs> Five more minutes, mom. <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then so he, comes to eat, he comes to eat dinner. I go and clean up. This guy's either goes right on the couch or goes back to his video games. Um, he couldn't make it up. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we had a lot of really good times together and, like I said, we've been best friends ever since and we still do stuff even though we're not playing. Yeah, like you said, it was just a weird kind of weird like settings that it kind of just kept happening where we were either just when he would he came, when he'd come back to school before he'd go off to pro or different things like that. And like obviously I think the funniest part is is like obviously I came in my freshman year, he was a senior. And then my first year pro was the was the year that he was talking about in Hartford. Um, I had just signed and then he had actually just signed there too. And we're like, well, it only makes sense to get in a place together. So it's been, it's been funny enough. And we're only about three hours away from each other now. Um, obviously Green Bay, Chicago. So it's just, it's funny how those connections work. What was your first impression of Dan when you first met him? We heard his, I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, like he said, I was, uh, 
I was this shy, scrawny kid coming from, you know, I, I went to school. Um, my elementary and middle schools had a combined, I think, 100 kids at them and then went to a private high school in the area that I think my class was only 100 kids too. So I hadn't really been in a setting where, you know, there's, you know, new, right? I, I was used to just the sheltered life a little bit. But um, no, I mean, I, I came in and, and all those guys that were there that summer, um, we're all super nice, super easy to talk to. And like, I think Dan, and as you guys probably know, is he can be, I think the first time meeting him, he can be a little intimidating, especially for like a, a young freshman trying to just, uh, just make sure they don't hate him. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I respected him a bunch, uh, when I got there and obviously I, I knew he'd, he'd been through the ringer there and knew exactly how to treat the, the young guys. And I thought, it was he kind of like he like he said it we kind of formed that brotherly bond and I think I, I had that connection with a lot of his class so now that both of you guys are are kind of done playing in the in the east coast I, I want to ask you this and one of our listeners told me to ask this what's what's something that people don't realize or think about when they are thinking about like east coast hockey league like what's something where you're like I didn't think I was signing up for that one of those instances so I, I guess like one thing that people kind of realize but don't realize is, is where the East Coast Hockey League is really going. Like how many how many NHL contracts are actually out there now? Like there's, you know, you, you look and at any given moment, an East Coast Hockey League team has 12 kids on NHL deals. And I think like that's a little bit more of like the, you know, the basic like just hockey side of things um, that I think a lot of people don't understand is like it's really good hockey now like i think you know gone are the days of of a lot of the bruisers down in that league just kind of running amok right like there's obviously still that's still part of the game and there's still players but like you see in the nhl they can still play hockey and i think that's the biggest thing that i think now is what a lot of people don't understand is like there's some guys that are like one or two calls away from playing nhl games or a year or two away from playing nhl games so yeah, I mean, definitely from a fan perspective, um, you know, I I don't know necessarily think that they know, you know, everything behind the scenes as far as what guys go through. Um, you know, especially in the ECHL, you know, your your contracts are essentially day to day. Um, well, so at any, yeah, it's on toilet paper. Yeah, so at any point you can <laughs> you can be cut and you're you got to be out of your apartment within a couple of days or whatever it is, you know, hoping, hoping someone picks you up, you know, and especially if you, you know, there's guys on there that have families and stuff. So, you know, there's really no security. Um, and so when these guys that have families get cut, you know, they got to pack up all their stuff, you know, hope they get picked up uh, or, you know, or they're just going home with, you know, with nothing. And that's it. Their, their contract's just done that day. Um, you know, there's a lot of travel involved. You know, not every not every team has the luxury, you know, sleeper buses. Um, you know, some barely even have nice coach buses. So um, as far as that, like, there's just a lot behind the scenes that people don't really realize. Um, and I think even as a player, um, you know, some parts of the coast where you're like, well, I didn't sign up for this, like, there were times where we were playing four and fives like 
two or three times a month. Like that, it's just, there's a lot of hockey and like, cause they try to limit the travel, right. You know, to save on budget and all that stuff. So, you know, they try to make these long trips worth it where you're playing, you know, two teams, four games in five days. And, it, you know, it's just a lot on the body. Um, and, you know, obviously when you're first going into the league, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I just want to play hockey. This is my life. It's awesome. You know, but I, I think as guys get older and playing the league, it just becomes a lot of wear and tear on the body. You know, you, you, you kind of get sick of it. I mean, some guys don't, and some guys play a long time in that league and that's great. Um, I mean, just for me personally, it was, you know, something I didn't want to continue to do. Um, but you know, there were times where I really did enjoy that league. And I think one of my favorite parts of that league is, you know, everyone's living in the same apartment complex. So you build this, you know, team chemistry, all the guys are always together. You're always doing, you know, parties or after games, you're, everyone's just always together doing something, even on football Sundays, if you have it off, it's, it was honestly great, you know, versus DHL again, guys have families, everyone lives in separate locations. Um, and it, it, they chose more of like clicks where, you know, certain groups of guys just hang out together all the time versus the coast. Everyone's always together. So, um, there are, there are very good things about the coast. You touched on, uh, the, the travel aspect of it. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple bus stories that jump to mind for you guys. Is there one that really sticks out as just something where you were going through it and you're like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Yeah. Our, our, the back <laughs> of our bus, the back of our bus exploded so luckily, <laughs> luckily we weren't there yet and no one was on it but like no like legit just gone like the whole back of the bus started on fire and it was just gone um so like stuff like that and then uh there's one story and i might have touched on it actually the first time i was on the pod but was um we were i was in greenville and we were playing tulsa and we found out that we decided that we were flying the day of from Greenville to Tulsa. Um, so we show up to the Greenville airport at, at four in the morning, uh, pack our bags in the, in the wherever we need to drop them off. Um, the best part was, is, uh, we found out that we, we had connecting flights. So, uh, we were going from Greenville to St. Louis, I believe it was, and then St. Louis to, to Tulsa. So we, uh, we hit the runway at like five 30 in the morning, uh, land in Tulsa. That was our, our kind of our breakfast, find a McDonald's, have a quick McDonald's, uh, hopped on a flight, landed in Tulsa, was waiting for the, the, their truck to come. We loaded everything on the truck, took our bus to the hotel, uh, dropped our bags off, went over to lunch and then went down for a pregame nap and then proceeded to get killed eight to one. Um, and then tried to rebound the next night, but just stuff like that. And I, you know, the funniest comment I, I think I've ever heard was our coach at the time, I uh, came in after he said he was sorry to me on, on my way out. I'm like, cause I, and I found out actually I was starting that game at five in the morning in the airport. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's just horrible. I might have to, I, I was just praying my gear didn't make it funny. Everyone's <laughs> gear made it that trip, which is crazy to me. Like, um, yeah, it was just, it was nuts. And he came in and I, I'll never forget this. He's like, they do that. They do this in the NHL all the time. They fly day of. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they're flying a seat 40 B next to a baby, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a couple of, of the crazy ones that I, that I can remember. 
Um, I I for sure told mine on the first pod um, when I was on, stuck on a bus for I think it was like a total of thirty four hours or something. Uh, it was and it was my first year pro, and that's when I went, oh my gosh, what did I just sign up for? Uh, it was a bus trip to Utah and Boise. And we knew a snowstorm was coming and we decided that it was still a good idea to try and bus home. Bus home got stuck on the side of the road for like six, seven hours, not even moving. By the end of the trip, the boys were all over each other. There was almost a fist fight in the back of the bus with some of the older guys. It was just crazy. (laughs) What do you even do in that situation? Because it's not like you can just hop off the bus and like run around on the side of the highway, right? Right. So, I mean, what I mean. Luckily, it was like in the, like, I don't know, probably around 1, 2, 2 a.m., something like that. So, you know, at that point, all the boys were just like, you know, we're going to go to bed and hopefully we wake up and we're starting to move. But, yeah, we, I mean, we were playing cards and stuff, and then we started sleeping. Then we got obviously got up, still moving, still had, I don't know, like nine hours left. It was crazy. So we tried to play cards again, and the boys were just getting heated. Um but I mean, other countless stories would be you're waking up, getting off the bus and going to brush your teeth in Denny's right before you go and eat a team breakfast. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that was always fun. It was cracking. Yeah. I mean, could only imagine what these people were thinking when we're walking in with toiletry bags and brushing <laughs> our teeth in the bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, like kind of going off that too, is like we had our, we had pregame, like we didn't, we didn't get uh, like my last year pro. We didn't get we didn't get extended checkout um, for our series. So like game two <laughs> on the road, uh, Saturday night comes around. We had a checkout of our hotel rooms by eleven. So we like we went to the pregame skate, checked out. Everyone kind of brought like pillows and their blankets and stuff, and we had a little slumber party in the in the locker room right before game two and. And that was it. And they're just like the other stuff like that. Like there was a time that, you know, we had a sleeper. So we slept, you know, didn't get late checkout again, but that time we at least had our sleeper. So we slept in the, in the bus for pregame, for pregame nap, like just things like that. I remember on my way down to Florida when I was with Greenville, our bus driver decided it'd be a good idea to just start ripping darts and uh, not open up the window. So I woke up, I looked out my bunk. I'm like, why is it smoky? And I took a whiff and, Sure is sure enough. Oh. It's just darts on the bus and that same busy that trip actually. Uh I don't know if it was his girlfriend, his wife, what whatever it may be. Uh on the way to, to pregame skate, there was just uh, you know, whatever she was to him on the bus, riding <laughs> and all the boys are looking around like, what's going on here? Uh <laughs> like, who is this? Uh yeah. So I mean, and that's like the stuff that I think makes makes it I wouldn't say like more enjoyable, but I think it just adds to, to what Dan said is just that, that like camaraderie, right? Like when stuff like that happens, like there's really only like two ways that you can go in a lot of the times, like all those guys down there for the most part, know kind of what they're signing up for at times. And, and I think it just adds to that, that kind of um, that family setting almost like there's not really any clicks. Like everyone gets along because they kind of know it's like, are you guys watching what I'm watching right now? Is this real or is this fake? Like, I, like, are we actually playing professional hockey or is this an episode on a TV show? So I think 
I think that's part of the part of the fun, but also sometimes it can get like Dan said, after a while, some of that stuff can get kind of uh, taxing for sure. I got a curveball for you. We're a big uh, we're a big uniform podcast. We love talking about like jerseys and stuff. What's uh, what's each of your favorite like uniforms for any either pro college? What do you think's like the slickest look that you've gotten to uh, to rock on the ice? Ooh. We that we personally have rocked, or just our favorite in general? Yeah, that you guys have worn. Oh, I mean, I. A lot of people, and I think it might just be you have to go to Bowling Green to to agree with this statement, is a lot of people don't like our jerseys, but I, I loved a majority of our jerseys that we put together at school. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you take all the apparel that we got and put it outside, then it's uh, probably not. Like, I know one year we had an all-brown tracksuit. I don't know what we were thinking on that one, but I, I really enjoyed wearing like those colors just because I think it's unique. Um, I, I always loved uh, Greenville's logo, the Swamp Rabbits. I loved, I loved that logo. Um, those kind of my two I can think of right now. Yeah, I I would agree with now. Right, you know, people that don't go there, you know, tell us we kind of have bad jerseys and a horrible color scheme. But I don't know. I I think he's right. I think you got to go there to really to really embrace it. And I would agree. I think that, you know, we had some really good jerseys. I think my freshman year jerseys were one of my favorite, um, really old school. Um, even now, it just from what I've seen, you know, it seems like they've tried to go back to that old school look, which I really love and appreciate. Um, and then I would say one of my other favorite jerseys was when I was playing in South Carolina um and we had a cancer awareness night uh and we were wearing our uh it was a purple jersey i believe um just you know classic you know cancer awareness jersey and i also did like when we played in hartford we did a uh a, a camo jersey for oh, right. military appreciation so those yeah, were those cool. Cool. i kind of wish i got to keep that one or buy it or something but but uh, but let me tell you, the minor league hockey market for jerseys is is <laughs> too high. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes, like I know, I know in Greenville one year, I, I, I no joke. I think we had twelve specialty jerseys, so half of our home games, and it was the. I mean, shout out to these people, man. Like they they support like that league, and like without some of those people, it's I don't know where you know they would get a lot of their their money, but. I don't know how these people did it. They're spending like eight, 900 bucks a Jersey and they're buying two or three jerseys. <laughs> if not more a year. And there's I, some insane ones. Like we've seen like the SpongeBob night, star Wars night, like the Christmas yeah. ones around like Christmas time and stuff like that. They go crazy. Well, did you, yeah. did you see recently this year, the, the team that wore the ref jerseys? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was I the also, most confused I, I've ever been watching a <laughs> hockey game, but I, I think the, yeah, the Iowa the Iowa Wild just did like a Iowa Wookies or something like that too. And oh those, yeah, those yeah. actually look pretty cool. Those yeah. were sweet, but like they were uh, apparently the fans like were making noise like where can we buy these jerseys? And like you said, they were like, all right, you're right, like we'll auction them off. But all they had was like the game worn ones. So like I looked, and each <laughs> one's going for like nine hundred a piece, and I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't. Yeah, right. That. 
and then we had we had a SpongeBob night, and we had uh we we also had Reptar jerseys, and like these things were going for at least like seven hundred plus. I'm like, I, I love the idea, but it's just like you gotta be crazy to spend money on a jersey like that. I mean, I guess if you have kids and stuff who watch your shows, I guess that's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, like even even like. I mean, like my one year in Tucson, like I was, I was a third going in and pretty much a glorified third coming out. Like, and they, they, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's just that they're just they fall in love with the player and they and they get it. But like my, my jersey ended up going for, I, I mean, not even that much comparative to some of them. Like, I mean, I've I've been a part of some that end up at like sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars, and and I just almost feel bad when when someone like buys a Jersey for that price and you're like, Oh man, like I wish I could like tell you not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Tucson's got, I feel like one of the most, like it's one of the best names for an American league team of all time though. Cause the whole Roadrunner coyote thing, that's hilarious. Yeah. hundred percent. And actually like they did have a couple cool ones um, when I was there, like we had an El Lazo Jersey. um, That was actually pretty sweet. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, unfortunately, like for minor league hockey, we'll just never get to the point of uh, minor league baseball. I think there's just too many good, good, uh, good names and jersey combos with, with the minor league baseball out there. No, I want to ask you this now that you're working with some younger guys. Um, you know, we there's a lot of talk about like kids coming up, pulling off like Zegras's behind the net. And, <laughs> Between the legs shot the kid Zach Benson um, did it the other night against Washington on his first career goal, but I feel like nobody talks about like the young goalies coming up. Like what what are goalies doing? Where it's like what the fuck is this? Like the, you're not supposed to be doing that. I just yeah. want to make a quick comment first. I don't get as a forward. I would never think to try this stuff, and I just <laughs> I mean I see this stuff and it's like what what in their brain like how do they think to do this like I, I i just never in my career like obviously in practice you like you you practice doing that stuff or like you, you're trying it but in a game would never cross my mind and i i mean just i think it goes to the skill that is being brought up now and just young kids and focusing on skills and i think it's awesome but sorry no go ahead no and i, and I think kind of like not to answer your question but i mean if you did that when you were, when you're kind of coming up the ranks, you would get killed, right? Like someone would be chasing you around the ice, trying to end your career. And I think that's, that's a little bit of the difference is like, there's more respect when it comes to skill. Um, Like if they do that, it's like, you know what, if, if you can catch them doing it, then, then kill them, right. Then hit them hard and make them pay for trying to pull something like that off. But there's not, there's not a lasting effect. Like once, once that happens and they don't get it and you don't hit them, then, it's just right back to the game. And I think that's, that's, I think the difference is, you know, people are more willing to try that stuff because they're not worried about three shifts later, someone just running them from behind out of nowhere. Um, now back to the goalies, I think, I think the biggest thing, honestly, that I see like, and, and it's going to sound kind of just boring, but I think the biggest thing you can see now is goalies that make smart plays, like just reads. Like, I think, the, the ones that can actually read the game and process the game, like, like the old, you know, like the flurries and the, you know, even, even, I don't know how he played so long, but he did it at a pretty high level. Um, 
um, Craig Anderson. Like you look at a guy like that and you're like, how is he still playing? But one of his last years, he had what, like a 930 save percentage. Um, and I think it's all, and you, and you look at kind of like a hellebuck, like the guys that are super smart, I think are the ones that are starting to wow people. Like the guys that can make reads and, you know, I, lucky, I've been lucky enough to work with, um, you know, the first goalie that, that was taken off the board this year and, and Adam Guyan. And one of his biggest a- assets is like, he's better at, he's better at some breakout passes than some of our D some nights. Like he can, you know, he's, he stops and he's just a third defenseman. And I think those are kind of the areas that I think you are, are starting to see goalies start to kind of separate themselves. And, and it's, it's a little less flashy uh, just because of, you know, the game moves so fast that it's hard. It's really hard to play like a Marc-Andre Fleury now or, or a Jonathan Quick unless you've been doing it for as long as you have at the level you have. Um, I think it's just the, the game moves so fast that it's it's the guys that the goalies that can that are smart, that can understand, OK, this is a three on two. This is exactly what's happening. And and they can almost beat those plays by cheating it. And I don't want to say, let's say anticipation said cheating it, but right. So like it's the guys that can play the puck a lot better than the other goalies and the guys that are just smarter. Cause everyone, like every goalie now can make saves and every goalie can skate. Cause that's all we're teaching them. It's the guys that can process the game. Um, and I mean, that goes hand in hand with, with every position, but it's, you're, I'm starting to see it more and more when working with kids. It's like, they just, you know, it's just a bunch of goalie school goalies. And I think, that's part of the epidemic we have in the U S and North America is there's a lot of goalie school goalies, but how many of those can, can, you know, use that information and process it when it is a real game. I want to ask both you guys this and you, you know, feel free to give whatever answer, but are there any players that you guys kind of watch right now? I mean, now you're just talking about a couple goalies. I find that interesting. Salvia, I know, I think on some of the first couple episodes you, you had name dropped some guys. So are there any guys that you both are watching around the league? Yeah, uh, obviously. And I, I, you know, I, I remember I mentioned these two guys, uh, Jack Roswick and Kyle Connor. Um, you know, obviously I was lucky enough to play on their line when I was in Manitoba. Um, you know, I'd probably say those are two of the you know best players that I ever played with. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's fun watching those guys. Um, you know, Kyle Connor is extremely skilled. Um, I've never seen someone get the puck up so fast in my life. Uh, so it's always fun watching guys, you, you know, you get to, used to play with and people who don't know um, that I played hockey, you know, guys from work, whatever, you know, I get to say, oh, I used to play with them or, you know, this is that team. I used to play for their, um, you know, feeder team. So stuff like that is really cool. Um, and then obviously there's, you know, new talent that come up, like, you know, you got Vantelli and, uh, Bedard, like I was so, everyone's like, is this kid the real deal? You know, guys that I worked with and I'm like, uh, you know, let's give it some time. You know, there's a lot of hype around this kid. Let's see what he can do. And he is living up to the hype already. So obviously fan favorite in Chicago, um, now that I know he's a real deal, I got to get out to a game and watch him play. Yeah, I mean, one guy, a little kind of area bias that I've obviously been tracking his whole career. I got a chance to play with him in, in high school, and I've seen him around the rink in the summers is uh, Mason Appleton. And he's actually off to a really good start with Winnipeg. And 
uh, kind of cool to see like local guys and another guy that, you know, probably, you know, if he, if he was a couple of years younger, should, would be in the NHL. He's got a couple of shots at it. Max McCormick, uh, captain down in, um, Coachella Valley now and just a stand up guy, like kind of the guys that I've grown up with. There are some guys I've been watching. Really cool to see those guys have some success. And, um, yeah, kind of like what Dan was saying with Bedard, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how quick he's adjusted. And I think, I think you kind of see it. Like you saw all the videos of him staying out after practices and like you hear all that stuff, but it comes down to, again, I think for him is just that, that processing of the game. Like he just thinks it at a whole different level. I think that's, what's kind of cool about these young stars is, is you can see like they're having instant success because of how well they process the game. Um, But I guess going on with some more goalies, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, kind of how Shepard does. I know, I know I'm Washington, Washington guy. I think, you know, he's been a winner everywhere he goes. And um, it's interesting to see, you know, especially for goalies, like that transition is tough and it's, and I think it's for them, it's how long do you trust, you know, how long do you let them go? And I think Washington has, has been kind of one of the best at developing goalies because they give them a plan and they stick with it. Right. You know, Shepard's been in their system for what, uh, three, four years now, um, you know, before him, they had, uh, actually b- the, both of these Van Tech and, um, uh, I'm forgetting the other one's name, but Samsonov. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at them, right? Like they started them both off in the coast then they moved them up to the A then they moved them up to the NHL. And I think, I think that's kind of like Washington. And I think it kind of started with Mitch Korn. Um, but I think like they're seeing success in that, right? Like there's not many teams right now that are developing goalies, um, and I think that you're kind of starting to see like, you know, a guy like Wolf, like they're kind of giving him maybe too much time, but like, it's interesting to see a guy like that, who's continuously showing that he can be at the NHL level. And I think, unfortunately, I think on any other team, he would be given the chance, but now they just, but they have, you know, Vladder and <laughs> Markstrom, which is two tough guys to kind of be behind, but then, but then you're kind of seeing it on the opposite effect, right? Like you, you bring in a guy like Devin Levi, right away yeah, to flow and he, and he you know he has that instance instant success but unfortunately now in the nhl down huh he just got sent down oh he did yeah. yeah i didn't see that so yeah so then you see you see that right like he has that instant success but how long can that last especially in the age of now if if they're not fully dialed in like pre-scouts pre-scout's a dangerous thing for goalies and I think one of the coolest things, and I think this is kind of what started goalie pre-scouting in general was Vasilevsky. Like you look at him and and his numbers for two straight years, no one knew what to do. They're like, we can't beat this guy. And then all of a sudden, slowly and surely, I believe, and then, you know, I'm not behind the scenes on, on teams, but I can only imagine they're like, okay, we need to watch video and, and well, where do we beat the guy? And all of a sudden little things start to come out and things happen and, all of a sudden he starts getting beat in the same spot in a couple of playoff rounds and different things like that. And I think, I think that that was kind of the, I think the turning point with uh, goalie pre-scouting for, for, for goalies. And I think these young guys, especially the smaller guys like Levi and Wolf, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. And I think that's going to be kind of the turning point for all the small goalies out there is like, do I have a chance? But I mean, it's cool to see those guys have success. So. Yeah, but since now they're kind of showing me up there, I'd like to add a few more to my list. Uh, <laughs> no, but he he just reminded me. Uh, so like I had, 
I got to play with uh, Shepard and also Logan Thompson. Um, so obviously it, it was cool to see Shepard. I watched his, you know, first NHL game on TV. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then, you know, Logan Thompson, uh, I don't think he would, he, I think he thought I picked on him a lot because he was a rookie. <laughs> uh, so I'm not really sure where I stand with him. Uh, when he was in Chicago, we were DMing a little bit. Um, but it's fun. And obviously it's cool to see his success. You know, he was made to the NHL all-star game. Um, you know, and the funny thing is too, and he's playing with us in Charleston, you know, we were like, this guy's going to for sure play in the NHL. You know, he just wasn't the brightest kid. Um, but you know, he was a phenomenal goalie and really worked hard. Uh, so it's cool to see. And then obviously we can't forget our boy, Sean Walker over in Philly. Uh, it's, you know, obviously LA is really good this year. Um, but you know, after talking with walks, this is probably the best thing that could happen to him. He's having a hell of a season. It's also his contract year. So, you know, as long as he keeps it up, he should get paid. Uh, so it's fun to watch that. Um, and, you know, Mark Friedman, who just got traded to Vancouver, you know, is with Pittsburgh. Obviously, they signed uh, Carlson. So, you know, lineup lineup spot, it was kind of probably tough to find. So it's good to see him <laughs> in Vancouver now. Um so, yeah, I mean, just watching guys you used to play with, even college, you know, pros, it's fun keeping track of them now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys both played college hockey, and obviously, yeah, I feel like in the last 10 years, college hockey and obviously the U.S. hockey program has just exploded so much. You're seeing so many more Canadians and import guys come over here to play college hockey versus go junior. What's that been like to watch, and where do you guys think USA hockey stands in the global power rankings for lack of a better word now um oh no go ahead okay okay uh i mean i i still think like at the end of the day we're we're in the top you know top half of of that and i think i think that the the funny i think that the interesting part is just the development process i think i think i think the u.s has kind of gone away from what they did and that might either be that they never had one or or it's just starting to show that we never had one or or what or or i'm not exactly sure and i think it's i think a lot of it too is like you look at all these european countries that are starting to to kind of produce these good players and i think a lot of them when they come over are are just athletes and i think that's that's what a lot of that those guys have compared to what we're doing and and, you know, obviously it's going to sound pretty contradictory that, that I have, you know, a, well, my, my pretty much my livelihood is, is coaching goalies. Right. So, but I think a lot of what's happening in the markets that I've seen is you have all these people that say they have the best program, say they have the best, this, say they have the best that. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, you, you look them up and it's, what have they done on the coaching side? What have they done in their playing career? Not saying that good players make good coaches and, and, you know, good coaches are always good players, but I think there's a lot of, I know best going on. And I don't think there's a, as much like, I think it's like you versus me, me versus you when it comes to the business side of, of coaching kids. And I think, I think that's where we're starting to see a decline in real in like our, our numbers overall, having good players, obviously our best of the best are really good because those kids find the right situation with the right coach that 
they do the right things and then they get put into a, in a good spot. Um, and then two is like, at the end of the day, like they take their rinks out in Europe for about two months in a lot of places where they don't get any time and they work on developing hand-eye coordination and, and the, ath- the athletic part of it. And, you know, do I think that would ever happen here? Probably not. Uh, but do I think it needs to be more of a thought process and, and a conversation a hundred percent. And I think it's just become too monetized when it, when it comes to just the general like structure of youth sports in, in general. And I think that's why you're starting to see the decline in people catching us um, not only in, in hockey, but in other sports. Yeah. I mean, Nell probably knows a lot more than I do as far as, you know, youth hockey and, you know, minor programs and that um, from a basic standpoint, you know, I think just getting the sport out there in America has been great. Um, you know, getting people just to put on skates, to play the game, you know, not necessarily have rules or whatever, but, you know, I think that seeing that has been awesome. Uh growing the game, you know, communities building more rinks, you know, starting new minor league teams. I mean, <clears throat> my brother was coaching the Chicago Mission U18s, and I remember coming home one for, I don't know, a holiday or something, and, you know, he's playing this Renegades team, and I'm like, who the hell are they? He goes, oh, they're, they're a new AAA team in Chicago. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, there's two more. So, like, in terms of that, it's awesome, you know, when I was playing, there was four teams here and now I think there's five or six, you know, they're off going, uh, you know, other, other States to play other teams who I've never even heard of. So, you know, I think areas are growing in terms of, you know, more teams, more kids are wanting to play, you know, more rinks going up and just having the ice time for, you know, kids to go out and enjoy the game. I think that's been awesome. All right, I got one uh one good one I'd like to end on. We won't take up too much more of your guys' time. Thanks again for for joining us. But one good one to end on. What's like one thing that you would either tell to a young hockey player right now? He's either in college or in the East Coast, or or even if you want to frame it in uh what would you tell your younger self? One piece of advice that you wish you had known uh kind of going into your hockey career when you're younger. I wish I knew everything back then when I know now, I think I'd be a way better player. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, it, it goes fast. Um, you know, obviously everyone has a dream of playing in the NHL. Um, and you, you grow up loving the game. Right. And in my opinion, you know, for me, it got to a point where, you know, I was starting to lose the love, love of the game. Um, you know, then you're kind of playing for the wrong reasons. Um, but I would just, you know, I'd go back and say, enjoy every little moment, enjoy the people that you meet, enjoy the friends that you make. Um, cause it goes, it goes quick, honestly, you know, I'm sitting here two years removed from the game and I've met so many great friends and met so many great people that, you know, I still keep in touch with today. You know, I wish we lived closer and not everyone lived in different States, you know, so we can see each other more. Um, but it's just the bond you build with other hockey people. It's just awesome. You know, it, it, even if you run into someone, you know, on the street or, you know, whatever, and their son plays hockey or 
you know, they play hockey. It's just like an instant connection. You know, hockey people give other hockey people the time of the day. They know what, you know, that person has gone through. You know, they may be going through the same thing with their kids. And, and it's just so easy to relate to these people. Um, so for all the little kids out there listening, uh, just enjoy it. Don't think too much. You know, chase your dream and play as long as you can. And you'll have plenty of memories to go back on. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty spot on. I, I would kind of say the same thing. The only thing I would add is just like, I think to my younger self is just it, it doesn't get better. Uh, again, I think, I think that's something that you see now with, you know, social media and, and like, and how easy accessible all these highlights are and all the, the funny jokes you see and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, like those guys, those guys are grinding. Like there's so much stress pressure. Like you play in markets like Toronto and, and like different cities like that, where like the media is all over you. Like in Winnipeg, I, I've heard stories. that can't even go to the grocery store without, you know, getting stopped every two seconds like there's so much stress that goes into the higher level hockey even college like college juniors like pro like it's it's there's so much more that makes it just work and kind of like what dan was saying like losing that love for the game and you know obviously it's it's always nice when you get to see the guys mic'd up that are making seven and a half million a a year to play a game like obviously those guys are going to have some fun like it's, it's a little less pressure and like they still have to perform and there's still pressure, but I think it's just like, enjoy, enjoy that the ride, like Dan's saying, cause it doesn't get better. Like it only gets more, more business-like as, as you get up to, as you climb the ladder and you know, it's, 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 it's fun when you're younger. And I think there's too much of a push to, and I, and I, I did the same thing. And when you're in juniors, you're like, Oh, I can't wait for college. And you get to college, you're like, oh man, I wish I was in juniors. And then in, in college, you're like, oh, I can't wait to play pro. Then you get to pro and you're like, man, I miss college. And and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're like, when you're done playing, you're like, you're like, yeah, oh, I can't wait to be done playing pro. And then you get out of pro and you're like, man, I miss, I miss pro. <laughs> right. And it's I think a sick cycle. <laughs> I think it just goes down, down the whole way through it. And I think, you know, uh, that's what I would tell myself is, is kind of what Dan said about enjoying it, but just like, don't rush it. Like you're there for a reason. And, and if, if you were good enough, you wouldn't be there. Right. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for these kids is like, Hey, like if you're as good as you think you are right now, then you wouldn't be in juniors. You wouldn't be in college. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be in the A of the coast. You wouldn't, you know, not be making the all-star game, whatever it may be. I think, I think it's, like Dan said, just slow down and, and enjoy where you're at and dominate it. Right. And, Cause the same thing with, uh, as it gets harder, like it's harder to win as you get older too. And like, enjoy the moments you do get a chance to win something. So. I could have sworn one of you guys was going to say, uh, bring your crest white strips to the <laughs> for seconds. <laughs> um, we appreciate you guys. Thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, boys. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Hey, yeah, honestly, you guys are you guys are awesome. Anytime we would be more than happy to come on again. Um, so it's it's been it's been fun with you guys, and we really appreciate you having us back on, even though we're retired. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> As always, a huge thank you to friends of the program, Dan DeSalvo and Chris Snell. It's always a pleasure having those guys on. 
Um, and just really interesting to, you know, hear what they're doing in life now and, you know, kind of transitioning out of uh, the East Coast League. We are going to dive into the news now. But before we do, I think Mac has a word from our sponsor, Elwoods. Sure do. Just a reminder to support your local dive bar and have a beer at Elwood's Liquor and Tap, home of the Pizza Luge. Located in the heart of downtown Milwaukee on Water Street, this 70s-inspired bar has a little something for everybody. From daily happy hour, rotating taps, free birthday perks, and a four-season patio, a good time is always right around the corner at Elwood's. With the full NHL package, plus TV screens indoors and out, hockey fans can watch any game, anytime. And last but not least, don't remember... Ooh, don't forget trip myself up don't forget to leave wow i'm I'm still tripping this up don't leave your dogs at home holy shit that was a struggle they're a dog friendly bar people that's the point so uh bring your dogs i think last time i was there there was actually like three or four really cute puppies so definitely bring your dogs to elwoods and we'll see you down there it's a good dog bar yeah yeah they got the little patio outside they can kind of run around but you're not like freezing cold the nice. patio. Yo. Are we going to chat before we go into this about the, the dumb live recording we did when we got home from the Caps game? Or is that awful? Oh, no, for... we should talk about it. <laughs> I, I think this is similar to what we did last time, too. Like, we always end yeah. up with some that we're like, no, we should record live because we're together. But there wasn't really anything to talk about. And we just tried it. I don't. I <laughs> it don't went exactly how you think if you're listening to this, it would go post hockey game and running around D.C. with the three of us. Yeah. yeah, my when when my mom was dropping me at the airport at the end of the long Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I think she said like, "So when when are you dropping the thing that you guys recorded in person?" <laughs> I just I wasn't in the mood to talk about it at the time. So mom, if you're if you're listening, I think I said something like, "Oh, it might just go as like a YouTube video. It wasn't right. like a formal." uh episode after briefly reviewing about 10 seconds worth of footage today i can pretty <laughs> confidently say it will never see the light of day outside it, it might it, it needs some work some little tlc before it's ready for the internet <laughs> hamburger okay. oh man oh man oh dear lord that was a fun time uh I, we should get that out on youtube at the very least i think that would be quality entertainment yeah it's a good you know watch is i would encourage people to watch it at 2 a.m or something like that but yeah it's definitely a come home from the bar uh, uh-huh. piece of content you would consume so yeah um speaking of late night entertainment patrick kane this came over real early this morning borderline last night uh patrick kane signs a one-year deal with the detroit red wings uh not official that's kind of important to note yet it's basically official, but not official as of the night of the 28th. Uh, the contract is worth a prorated 2.75 mil includes a full no move clause. Uh, big note here. Kane reunites with former teammate Alex to when they played in Chicago for five seasons from 2017 to 2022 boys. What does this do for the Detroit Red Wings? I've got a couple comments here. Number one, I definitely think it's interesting the uh, the DeBrinket and Kane uh, reunion. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he say something at one point a while ago, maybe last year, about like liking playing with DeBrinket? I thought I remember him saying like that he had good chemistry with him, or that he. he I always... think you're right, and they um they were line mates for most of those five seasons, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of the um, the Rangers thing, too, is he liked playing with Panarin when he was in Chicago. So I, it, there's definitely a 
something to be said about that. Maybe he's kind of seeking out some of the younger guys. He has some chemistry with already. Not the worst idea. However, one of the most puzzling parts of this for me, and I'm not trying to be mean when I say this. I'm just a little confused. I thought I also remembered Kane saying that he specifically was going to go somewhere that could win a cup this year. And I'm not saying it's impossible for Detroit, but like, I'll that's, say def- that's definitely not the like easy decision. And I mean, it's neither, impossible. Neither were like a lot of the other ones that were front run- front front runners, like the Sabers <laughs> or like the Panthers necessarily. I guess maybe if he went to Dallas, that would have lined up a little more with like a current Cup contender, or at least what the general public considers to be one. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I do like the term. I like the term a lot. I think Great it's a term. really. I think it's a really low risk, high reward scenario for the Wings. I don't see any reason not to do it. And I get what you're saying about Detroit. Like they're they're not cup ready. Let's just go ahead and rip that bandaid off now. Like unless they were somehow going to put a deal together for hella buck this moment, they're not cup ready. I was going to say goalie. No. Way. So you know what do you have to lose? I mean, maybe if this gets you into a wild card position around playoff time, you become a trade destination. Uh, I don't know, but it seems, you know, I understand what you're saying for the one year thing. Why not take a shot at it? Yeah, there's no risk. Like Max said, low risk, high reward makes sense. Kind of get the young guys, maybe some veteran presence there. I don't hate that. Wings are not a cup team. Uh, They could be a playoff team, although I would probably venture to bet that they're not. I know that's going to upset some listeners who are diehard Wings fans, but I will give you this. I would argue you're like top three fun team in the league. And I actually do enjoy, I really enjoy watching the Red Wings play. They're a fun team and you're on the cusp. It's just not this year, in my opinion. Plus, if you get them like a Wings game on ESPN, choose their broadcast. I mean, Mickey Redman and those guys are fantastic. I, um, this is, this is one kind of interesting piece of research I have to kind of add to the conversation there. There are a handful of players that have gotten this same surgery that, that Kane got and tried to come back. Not many. Um, but most recently we've had obviously Nick Backstrom. We all know how that kind of went. Um, Carl Haglin, however, we didn't get to see him attempt to come back from that because he was forced to retire due to a different injury. Um, the other interesting one from a little ways back, Ed Jovanovsky, Jovo. I forgot he had this. He had this same surgery, and I believe he he came back, and I I don't know the exact number, but he play, I can I know he played less than like forty games total after the surgery, and it, he had like a handful of points, like nothing really. Um, that being said, none of the players I just mentioned had like. I don't remember what Kaner had 90 something maybe points the year before the surgery. So, I mean, we are talking about like one of the best American forwards of all time, probably, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm anxiously sitting on the edge of my seat to see how this turns out. I really am. I don't know how much better they get as a whole team, but their power play is going to be a lot better. I'll tell you that. I mean, if, if there's one thing that he's good for, it's going to be sitting on that half wall on the PP. So that's going to be uh, a huge addition for the wings. Also, you would think he would be playing with Larkin and Debrinket on the top line. So that just became one of the best top lines in the NHL, in my opinion. Well, they'll probably start him there, but again, that's right. where it's like, let's see if he can keep up. Cause that's like, that's where, I mean, specialty guy for sure. Like you yes. can, you can have a bum hip and, and run a power play a little bit, I think. Um, but 
you know, top line minutes, it's going to be pretty obvious pretty soon if he's not, if it's not going to work, I think. So, how about the Hawks fans? Poor Hawks fans. <laughs> it's been a rough week. We'll get into that in rough a second. 48 but, all right. But this, this goes on top of it. It's like, Jesus. It's almost like they had it coming. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's good to see that, uh, I guess, uh, Sprong is going to give up 88 so Kane can wear it. I think it, like we talked about this like two episodes ago, it would have been weird to see Kane earn anything but 88. So, yeah, um, class act. Yeah, yeah, very classy from Sprong. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to move on to a Western conference team who just made a huge change. Well, the Minnesota wild have fired Dean Evanson and replaced him by hiring John Heinz. Evanson went 139, 73 and 27 in the regular season in the playoffs. He ended up uh, out in the first round three different times. And then in the bubble Mickey mouse playoffs, he was out in the qualifying round against the Canucks. Uh, they bring in John Hines, who was most recently the head coach of the Predators for better part of four seasons, and he was named the head coach of the Predators in 2020, and he carried a 576 winning percentage. He also qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs in three consecutive seasons while in Nashville. What do you guys think of this move for the Wild? It's tough to see, honestly. I mean, I know the Wild are a little bit of a dumpster fire, but as a Caps fan, um, I got a little a little soft spot for Dean Evason. He's he's um he's I mean, I don't know him personally, obviously, but he just seems like a good guy and he seems like he he cares a lot. Um I've heard good things from players and interviews and and whatnot. Um, but I th- I think it's a case of uh maybe not necessarily his fault, but time for a change, and this is kind of the easiest thing to pull the trigger on. That's my read on it. Um, ding, ding, ding. You nailed it. I don't think, I mean, look at his record, 139 wins, 73 losses and 27 yeah. in overtime. I mean, that you know, being said, the playoff thing is like, I mean, obviously that's not good enough, but I, for sure. But I don't think Minnesota was a legit playoff contender in any of those playoff series. I mean, maybe, look, maybe, maybe once. they lost to like yeah. every time Vegas, St. Louis, Dallas. And like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that St. Louis season, the blues were actually like pretty good too. So uh yeah no i don't know it's tough but uh john hines i mean at least that's a guy with some experience i think you see it more and more in the nhl now it's uh kind of a, a carousel of musical chairs of nhl coaches these days um which is why it's interesting when the caps go for a guy like carberry and stuff like that but even him right he's uh you know on an nhl bench elsewhere prior to that sure so. It's, uh, I think Evison will get hired somewhere else, no question. I would think so, if he wants to. I don't know yeah. how, how old he is or if he just – I know he's kind of got the Silver Fox thing going on, so it's hard to say how old he <laughs> may or may not be. But, um, no, I think if he wants to, he could probably get another job. I mean, the, the Wild currently are the third worst team in the league. The only teams below them are the Blackhawks and the Sharks. So it's yeah, it's certainly not good in, in many. Um, Kaprizov – He's got 18 points in 19 games. I've watched a couple mini games. God bless my soul. Um, he's just doesn't look himself. I mean, you know, you I talk about him as like one of the best, if not the best, left winger in the league. I think I said that last year. Hasn't really lived up to that. And then Matt Boldy, this guy, 12 games played, one goal. Total like 180 from last year. That kid was almost like a point and a half per game uh, down the stretch for the wild. And then just little bit of a sophomore slump here which you know you hate to see but you know this happens with young players in the nhl 
I'm boldy. I'm not concerned about, but like when you talk about Kaprizov, who the hell does that guy have to work with? I mean, Ryan Hartman and Erickson Eck. Oh, I mean, other than yeah. that, I mean, typical Minnesota fashion, you know, you have one good player and then you're looking around kind of going, uh, really, this is it. It sucks. I want so much better for this team. Like I have, I have wanted so much better for this team for a while now. And it, I mean, it's the state of hockey. You don't want to see them be mid to bad, but that's exactly where we've like, been for like, they went from the decade. North stars to this. Yeah. Like no, it's just, it's, it's not fun. It's not. I feel for the, for the wild fans. We've got some wild fan friends out there and friends of the program. So, you know, we feel for you, but it's still early. Maybe you can turn it around. There's always the, uh, the 2019 blues. So, uh, you know, we've seen it done before with uh, especially I think we were talking about with um, was it fair? I think that we were saying uh, it's interesting to see what happens when you fire a coach midseason and hire a new guy. And a lot of times you see a team do a total 180. So, uh, you know, keep your chin up, mini fans. Maybe it'll uh, maybe things will turn around a little bit from here. And if not, you have like eight different college hockey teams to root for. So just do <laughs> there that. You go. There you go. And unlike Detroit top three not fun team in my opinion no agree but again it's like that sucks because like they should be like we want like they have all the ingredients great horn exciting broadcaster amazing green die hard like, fan base yeah. pretty good uniforms for the most part like yeah they like should be good and then you watch them and you're just like oh my god green's a great boring. nhl like team color we need one more green team in the nhl i feel like yeah i could get behind that we had the whalers for a while, but at that right. time we didn't have the wild. So, or the uh, stars. Uh, no, we had, there was a period of time where the stars and the, uh, whalers were both in the league, uh, according to my background oh, right. here, apparently, um, that is the end all be all. Right. Anyway, enough the textbooks, the holy we're book getting sidetracked here. <laughs> uh, speaking of the no fun in Minnesota, Mark Andre Fleury's mask. Uh, a lot of people heard about this one as part of Native American Heritage Night to honor his wife, who is native, by the way. Uh, Fleury had a custom designed mask created by Cole Red Horse Taylor. Talk about the coolest middle name in the world. Uh, to honor the native people, the mask had quotes from his dad on the back of it and also had the names of his kids. The NHL has informed him, or they informed him, I guess this is past tense now, that he could not wear the mask in warm-ups, and he, the Wild and Flurry were both warned that there could be severe fines from the league. Flurry wore the mask anyways. It was beautiful, by the way. And it is unknown at this point if the NHL followed through with their threats regarding the fines. Flurry has balls of steel. The mask looks sick. We can't have fun anymore. The NHL is a PR disaster. I don't know what else to say. Also worth mentioning, I think I saw that he, after he wore it the one time, he like put it up for auction or something. Yeah. And I, and I think he said whatever he gets on auction price, he'll donate towards like Native American, um, I don't, I, some charity or something like that. I should know it, but I didn't, I didn't do my research. I just remember seeing something like that. I know it's going towards a good cause. So that's good. I think this is just so stupid. The NHL has backed themselves into a corner. They did this with the whole no specialty jerseys and warmups thing. They're lit what they're literally doing is just trying not to piss people off. And by doing that, they're pissing everyone off. Like, I don't it's, understand it's so how funny. you can tell this guy he can't wear this mask. And another great example I'd like to bring up is, boys, 
who won the EBA for best goalie mask of the year last year? It was Alex Stalock with a, Nor- a Native American themed mask. Like I thought of that when this happened. I like, don't know. Yeah. With all the progress that the, you know, hockey community is making with the Native American, Native Canadian, you know, uh, you know, atmosphere and space, and they're doing a great job of it to be inclusive. This is just the polar opposite. It is so frustrating to see. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's it's honestly a, almost a comedy of errors to watch what the NHL is doing to themselves because they're they're like you said they're backing themselves in the corner. But more than anything, I feel like they're pissing the people off who they are trying not to piss off even more. Like it, it's it's there's not much I can say about it because it's just, they're going to keep doing it all season long. Like and what, then... what is the reasoning behind him not being able to wear this mask? It's not like he's slapping campaign stickers for like certain political agendas all over it. It's not like he's picking one of the 40,000 issues across the globe right now and like staking his claim on one side of it. It's literally just celebrating his family's heritage. Well, the league basically set a, a stupid precedent right. and now they feel like they need to stick to it. But every time something new and niche comes up that falls under this precedent, they're like, oh, well, I guess we can't allow that either. But then like even they have to be looking at themselves being like, what the fuck what did the we fuck? do? So like, like, is this going to escalate to the point where like Freddie Anderson has to take Lego Batman off of his mask because no, like, Batman literally. is scary. It's gonna, like it's to gonna kids get to the or point something. where we're all just wearing like a fucking like Dominic Hashik mask or something like that. Which honestly, I'm all for it. Fuck it, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I love that mask. <laughs> but but also like that's where that's where we're headed at this point. It's just like that like dystopian like no expressing yourself. We all wear the exact same thing because that won't piss anybody off right. or make anyone feel bad or whatever it is. And it's like the dude, NHL is just going to go full like Fahrenheit 451 with goalie masks. Like no, straight up like yeah. that's where we're headed. And like it, it essentially just comes down to they have no nuts. Like they just have no sack with this kind of shit at all. They're too fucking afraid that they're going to lose dollars or piss people off. And it's just, it's embarrassing. By the way, I think that was the first like book reference on this podcast and it only took 190 <laughs> episodes. 190. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about this, That's and this funny. is just like, this is just like the truth. No one would know he wore this mask if they didn't tell him he couldn't wear it. So what's the problem? Yeah. No one would care. Or <laughs> like, I just don't get it. Uh, I, I don't understand. And I'm pretty sure like, I'm pretty sure the devil's, Someone, I might be wrong. I'm not claiming I'm right. I'm pretty sure the Devils have like Hispanic Heritage Night. So how is that any different than this? Like, also, I don't get it. it can know. we talk about? Hold on, one more thing, because this is just so fucking funny for a second. If they're really saying that Flurry can't wear a, a helmet with like Native American like pride, like as part of the theme to it. What the fuck are the Chicago Blackhawks wearing L- on literally. the front of their jerseys? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the- <laughs> I, yeah. It's it's comical at this point. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the fuck else to say, but it's like <clears throat> that's that's what this has come to. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And Mac, you just segued that so perfectly. Well, that's me, why so I, I saw it in the notes, and it reminded me. I was like, that's too ironic not to comment on. But anyway. So we will move on to the injuries and absences around the league real quick. Uh, This one (laughs) took the internet by absolute storm. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks uh, basically kicked Corey Perry off the team. He will remain away from the Blackhawks 
for the foreseeable future. And I actually read today that if he does go through waivers, they have a purpose of termination of his contract. So Corey Perry is no longer on the Chicago Blackhawks. Before 4 p.m. today, they just left it very vague and said that there was unacceptable conduct. And unless you've, I mean, lived under a rock, you've probably seen it. There was a huge rumor going around that he uh, had interactions with a certain teammate's mother on the mother's trip. And that's really what made this go absolutely viral. Which is, by the way, like 1000% just not true. So if you're seeing that online, didn't happen. Uh, it's been like multiple like credited sources have said that that did not happen. So uh, that was fun on the internet for a little bit. But boys, do you realize like how... <laughs> like bad your conduct has to be for the Chicago Blackhawks to terminate your That's, contract. I, I think I sent you guys this tweet today and it was like, yo, no joke. Like whatever he did to Bedard's mom or whatever is probably less worse than what actually happened. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I, I mean, probably like, true. I don't, I'm sure we'll get more insight into what actually happened in in the next week or so. I mean, if the Galchenyuk videos get released, you'd got to be thinking someone's going to let this slip. It seems very hush hush. So that leads me to believe that it's not good, but I don't know. Clearly it was something that they thought was enough to just basically say to this guy, we're done. You also got to, you got to look at this situation for a sec and think like, all right, clearly these rumors about the whole mother situation uh, were out for like a solid, I don't know, 40 days, maybe even 72 hours before the Blackhawks said a word about it. And then the first thing they say about it is that he's terminated due to undisclosed, like unacceptable, like team conduct. And like, where do you think, everyone's head is going to go immediately. Literally. I had people DMing me going, holy shit, he did it. No way. Yeah. Wow. Rockstar shit. All this stuff. I'm exactly. Like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, and, and then he comes out and he's like, oh, this is disgusting. Whatever. I think somebody even asked him, like, are you sorry that you didn't address this sooner? Because he was saying like, it, like he personally feels bad for like what like Bedard's family has gone through because of this rumor or whatever. And somebody was like, well, are you sorry you didn't like address this like sooner? And he said that the reason they didn't address it sooner is because they now have policies in place due to the like Brad Aldrich scandal that like requires like a full investigation of shit before they like comment or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I guess, man, I don't don't like it. If you were on the Chicago Blackhawks PR team that day, like you, you earned your money. Oh, yeah. Well, and he also said, I don't know how true this is, but he said that the team, uh, like the players know nothing, no, no details about what happened with Perry. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I believe that. But but if that is true, that's even worse, because then you're letting the team maybe believe these rumors about. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. What a mess. What a mess. I'll paint you one picture and then we'll move on from this. Imagine being an 18 year old who's the face of the NHL for the next decade in an enormous market like the Blackhawks. And you have to wake up to Twitter rumors and Facebook posts and Instagram NHL breaker stuff about how your 38-year-old teammate had intercourse with your mom. Like, stay hot, Blackhawks. You just let the kids suffer for four days for no reason. 
I don't and care if you have a policy in place or not. Use some awareness here. This is what everyone's been saying since this kid came into the league. It's like he's got it the hardest out of any rookie that has ever had to do this because he is under the biggest microscope of all time, whether it's the Canadian media or it's our media or just the NHL in general. It's like this is the kind of shit he has to deal with at 18 years old. Well, that and paired with just obviously technology marches farther forward every single year. So every rookie from here on out is going to be in an <laughs> even more like social media focused world. And like so far, this is definitely the most it's ever been, you know? So it's just, yeah, like you said, microscope for sure. Yep. And then uh, Taylor Hall, another black Hawk, he is out for the season after going knee surgery to his right knee to repair a torn ACL. Shout out. Hall. Shout out Halsey. Bad, bad, bad week for the Chicago Blackhawks. I feel so bad for Taylor Hall. Yeah, I do too, but it might get him off the Blackhawks. So that's good. Yeah, um, I just I feel like he has deserved <laughs> to be on a playoff team so many more times than he's actually gotten the opportunity to play on one. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, we'll fly through these a little quick. Uh, Sam Gerard, he has entered the player assistance program due to severe anxiety and depression that has led to alcohol abuse. Gerard actually made this public on his own Instagram last week. I want to give a huge shout out to Sam Gerard for actually speaking up and being a little vulnerable here i'm sure there's a lot of people and definitely nhl players who probably go through similar situations um hopefully this is kind of like shining a light on that because you know it takes a lot of balls to do what gerard did and i i respect the shit out of it yeah absolutely uh, couldn't agree more uh tj oshi we were actually at this game when it happened he has been placed on ir following a collision in last week's game against the edmonton oilers with matthias ekholm do we know any further updates or no I don't. I just want to say when that injury happened in the game, I don't know if I've ever heard a sports stadium live be that silent. Like, yeah, it was he was down for a while. Like, and I don't think he knows that he left the ice or knew that he left the ice yeah, or he was, was on his back for a while. It, it definitely appeared to be a head related collision. Um it was a clear interference, which was also weird, not called. Uh, other than that, I don't think it was that dirty. I think it was just kind of an unfortunate, like, head contact situation. But I think it was um, just players crossing at the blue line. It, you know, yeah, it happens. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, very sad. Um, obviously, we know TJ has had lots of other recent ailments, too. So it sucks adding this to the list. But, uh not much else to say. Hopefully he gets well soon. And we did see a, an update from Lauren. She posted on her yeah. her story saying he was doing much better. I just, we don't have a timeline here for, yeah. you know, return to hockey. So best did wishes to not go him. on the road and the Caps are on their longest road trip of the year. So uh, correct. that tells you a little something. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, coming back from injury, uh, goaltender Andre Vasilevsky for Tampa made his season debut Friday against the Hurricanes. He made 22 saves in route to the Lightning's 8-2 to win over the Canes. He underwent back surgery in September to address a lumbar disc herniation. So uh, good to see Vassie back. Real quick, I called bullshit on this like at the beginning of the season when they said they <laughs> expected him back before the end of 23. I was like, dude, no way you get back surgery and are playing goalie in the NHL. As a goalie, like, yeah. oh my God. I Props to him. I don't know how the fuck that's possible, but... Like, all Russian right, gas built different. <laughs> Go off, I guess. I don't know. That's cr I, I can't wrap my head around that. But 
the Russian machine never breaks. That's, exactly. That's kind of a saying for a reason. I don't know. The, the, the Russians seem to get back from injury way quicker. I don't know. There's, there's definitely something to that. But uh, we're going to move on to the discussion portion of the episode. But before we do, I think Nick has a word from Keen Footwear. Boys, I'll tell you how Vassy got back so damn fast. It's because he knows what's good for his knees and what's good for his back, and that is Kane footwear. Kane Revive is absolutely changing the way you recover by using uh, bounce back foam, which is made from Brazilian sugar cane. It's a renewable resource, so it's good for you, good for the environment, good for everyone. Head to the link in our bio today to get a pair of the most comfortable recovery shoes you will ever own. For sure. Uh, so we're going to start off the discussion segment with a lovely quote for uh, two generational talents that this podcast is huge fans of. Uh, we got Sid and Ovi. Ovi sat down with The Athletic, uh, I think it was last week. I don't have the article in front of me, but the gist of it was he said that him and Sid saved the NHL when they were rookies and came into the league due to their rivalry and that now uh, they're kind of being – for you know, lack of a better term, I don't have it, the direct quote in front of me. Kind of kicked to the curb now that the young guns have taken over, and everything's about you know Hughes and Matthews and McDavid and blah blah blah. And he just kind of was like reminiscing on when him and Sid kind of revived hockey after the lockout and brought everything back. Um, what did you guys think of this? I thought this was pretty interesting. I think he's spot on. I mean, we were coming out of a lockout. We were coming out of the dead puck era where two to one was exciting. Uh, we're coming out of, you know, there's no longer ties in the National Hockey League. Just remember that was a thing going into the 2000s. So um, that rivalry, I don't I mean, you don't have the Penguins and Capitals where they are today without the, that rivalry. I don't think those teams win as many championships. And you have two guys that come into the league at the same time that were both the face of the NHL. They were the two most exciting players to watch night in and night out. So. I, I get what he's saying. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think they're being overlooked now because you turn on TSN and it's just Sidney Crosby this and Sidney Crosby that, and you turn on any Capitals broadcast and there may as well just be a goal countdown ticker going right there. So, uh, yeah, I get what he's saying. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, Nick, I like your point about the ties as well. Like they kind of came into the league in a, in a, experimental era for the NHL where they were like, we're going to introduce the shootout and we're going to, you know, they, they were changing some rules and they were, they, that's also around the time where they, uh, they just flipped a lot of things around. They, they switched the Jersey, like home teams used to wear the, the light color. They were just flipping a, a lot of like norms around and, and trying to like change shit to, to make it more exciting. Didn't they fans. trim like a, like an inch or two off of the width of goalie pads too to try and? I think they did. Yeah, yeah. They did. I think you're right. Good memory. And I can never remember, but it was sometime around then that they got rid of the two line pass. That was definitely a yep. little bit earlier. But yep. four on four in overtime for five minutes, mm -hmm. and then the shootout. Yep. No, exactly. So, uh, it, it, I mean, he he has a huge point. I think it's totally valid for him to say. I would love to hear Crosby's take on this. I feel like he'd probably somewhat agree um oh, yeah. but uh no I, I i couldn't agree more i think he's spot on can you name me one other player rivalry in hockey history that would even remotely resemble this because like this is the bird versus magic basically i mean it's it's just such a good one because they kind of made like to nick's point about how neither team would have 
Um, you know, Caps wouldn't have a championship. Pens might not have as many championships without these two players. I think these guys literally made each other better. Like, I think the Definitely. rivalry egged each other on to like, like, literally your your quote unquote enemy or whatever, like, fuels the fire a little bit. It makes makes you want to be better. Especially to Ovi's point, you see Crosby win two cups, uh, kind of early on or whatever, and uh, or at least go to two cups early on, and then end up with three. And you're like, Jesus, where's my taste? Like, that just pissed him off, and you could see it in the 2018 run, and even some of the runs before it. He was a he was a pissed off hockey player, and uh, I think you know there's something to be said about how that rivalry fueled each other and fueled those teams. And I think the best way to highlight that is they, uh, each time those teams won a championship, they played the other one in the second round. Yep. It was the gauntlet. Yeah. You knew I think you the fact through. that they're like same division, like there's been so many other rivalries. And I mean, the one you can like talk about, I don't even think you can call this a rivalry, the uh, Gretzky Lemieux debate for who's better. It's like no. they were on opposite sides of the continent. Back then you didn't really play each other cross continent all that much because of travel logistics. You know, now Sid and Ovi are playing each other, what, like four to six times a year? And then let alone before we get into the postseason. I mean, you just couldn't exist without running into that team at some point. And the last thing I'll say on this is ESPN has hockey coverage now. If there is not a 30 for 30 about Sid and Ovi when these guys hang it up, I will burn that studio to the ground. And I'll record every second of it and watch it 10 times. I think there will be. I, there has I, to yeah, be. I don't think you have to worry. There, there should be. They've done enough other hockey ones that they, they're not that dumb. They know they got to. Yeah, I'm just like thinking. I'm like, McDavid doesn't really have a rival. Maybe if Kachuk stayed in Calgary, that would have been a good one. But yeah. like, he doesn't. Like, Eichel's moved too much or too early, I guess. Like, The only thing I will say, I was actually talking about this with my sister earlier, but I, I think the Kachuks, the Kachuk brothers being in the same division, I don't know how long that'll last, if they'll both stay there forever mm-hmm. or not, but I do think that that's one of the coolest things, like, in the NHL during my lifetime already. Like, I, it, it's, it's super fucking cool to watch them interact with each other and play each other so often. It's good, but I think the thing that made Sid and Ovi so much bigger was this would be like if McDavid and Bedard came into the league at the same age at the same time and were on the Oilers and the Flames. Like, no, exactly. A1 generational talents. Like, Ovi came into the league and was running over adult men. Sid comes into the league and is outplaying adult men. And they went to already established division rivals is yes. the thing like it was there was already yeah. some rivalry there and this just like expedited it made yep. it made it that much more intense and what i'm about to say it'll never match this but like it we really need like a next generation of this in hockey in my opinion like maybe if the oilers can get things going which we'll talk about next colorado stays good you could get mckinnon mcdavid like those mckinnon strikes me as like a fuck you like we're gonna go right now i don't care who you are like we need something like that just to keep this going but yeah i don't think there'll ever be another sid novi they're the best the best rivalry in in nhl history in my opinion so one thousand percent and i respect the shit out of uh i respect ovi i you know it off early in the early years i'm sure you guys felt the same but i think there's a mutual respect at this point where it's like, like all right like we went through that it was uh, it was in that same blurb that was like it used to be Ov versus Crosby, now it's Sid Novi versus the world. Yeah, 
it, it's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it was like like you remember that All Star game when it was like Sid Ovi and um it, like Ovi Junior like playing with the puck. I was like, oh my god, that is like that is a yeah. photograph for the ages right there. That is so cool. Yeah, but uh, we could probably beat this into the ground for another forty eight hours. But we'll yeah. we'll save all you guys the uh, the time and move on here. Uh, let's chat the Oilers. I just mentioned it. Um, we talk about him every episode, so we're going to keep that trend going for right now. But McDavid seems to have found his stride. He's got nine points in his last two games. On November 24th, he was tied for 59th in the league in scoring. And 48 hours later, he was tied for 13th in the league in scoring, which is pretty fucking weird to think Who about. were those two games against? Does anyone know off the top of their head? Uh, like, it wasn't something totally fucked, right? <laughs> Hang on. Because that is totally fucked, like that stat. But I want to make the caps sure... in there, right? The, yeah, the must caps be. And the, the caps and the ducks. to be. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the caps that's, and the ducks. I guess that's fair. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like the Blackhawks and the Sharks. <laughs> no, but uh, the Oilers, three and three in their last six. In their last two games, they've turned it up a notch. They've outscored their opponents 13 to two. And Mac, I got this one from your dad. Thank God he uh, told us at the game, but I looked it up. Six of their next seven are at home. It kind of feels like the Oilers might be turning it around a little bit here. And if they're going to turn it around, I'm not going to be surprised if they do. And now's the time to do it. Now's the time when you can string four wins together and go from second to worst in the league to in the playoffs in the Pacific Division, if you do the math. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like we always talk about, staying afloat as bad as they were. I think they were second to last in the whole league at one point, but... It was early enough that, like you said, it's only going to take a handful of games. You have seven or six of the next seven at home. Win five of those, you're probably back in pretty decent shape. That that being said, though, this team could win 10 games in a row, and I would still say you have problems. Like You, you cannot oh, yeah. contend in the postseason with this lineup. It's Band-Aids and duct tape, no yep. matter what. But yeah, This also is a really weird McDavid stat that I saw. He has 23 career three-point periods not games periods that's, that's gretzky shit right there that's that's stupid that is fucked up actually holy shit and my dad and like um, he has that but also like he's gonna be in the nhl for another like 10 to 15 years like yeah it's pretty weird my dad always tells me stories about like him and his buddies in college like going to get the newspaper the next day to look at like gretzky stats it's like up. Oh, Eight point night up, nine point night up, twelve point night. Like it's just, it's insane. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say it again. You, this is probably the best chance you're going to get to make any money on McDavid MVP. I would not be shocked. Art Ross, maybe even more so than MVP. That that sounds and feels like a really good bet right now, in my opinion. Um, especially with Hughes slowing down a little bit. It's not like he's not going to make a run at it. I hope. Yeah, I'll make a run at it. Uh, the NHL, they announced that they are bringing back the all-star draft format that was made popular back in the day by none other than Alex Ovechkin and Phil Kessel. The all-star game will also include a women's three-on-three showcase with players from the PWHL. Guys, this is going to boost ratings, right? Am I right? I think, if anything, the PWHL stuff will more than the all-star draft. I, I don't really see, like, if we're not going to, are we going back to, like, just two teams then? Or are we going to stick with this weird tournament of three-on-three three where you've got four teams made up of, like, 12 guys each? 
Yeah, I don't know. That was kind of cool for a second, I guess, the novelty of it. But I, I'm kind of with it. Like, let's just do East and West again. Can we please go back to East and West? Like, it would be so much fun now. Yeah, because it's also the scores are like dumb. Like, I want to see some stupid like eight to four East versus West five on five game and uh, bring back those like NHL jerseys too. Yeah, the, just the NHL logo on yeah. it. Like, what was the one like oh nine All Star game Montreal East versus West? It went to a shootout. Ovi scores the winner. Kovalev scores. It was electric. And I yeah. think the final was like fourteen to thirteen or yeah, something exactly. absurd like that. Excellent. Yeah. Give me that. I think I'm more excited for the draft than I am the actual game. Yeah, no, that part's cool. I and mean, that's like, all right, now I don't care. <laughs> it's like the the NBA, the offseason, who's going where and leaving for what team is more exciting than the first three months of the actual season. <laughs> yep. Well, and them adding the draft back to this also makes this like a three-day extravaganza instead right. of a two-day extravaganza, which is just like, dude, like you're always trying to make this is me talking to NHL TM. It's like, you're always trying to make dumb decisions that are going to like make you more money and save money. Now you're just blowing more money, like bringing everyone here. And like, and this is why people don't want to play in it. Yeah, no, exactly. Now Ovi probably heard this and was like, shit, now I'm going to have to get suspended for three games. instead of Two games. (laughs) Yeah, really? That thought crossed my mind, but yeah, the all-star weekend, it's truthfully dead. Like, it just sucks. I will be fully honest. I don't think I've watched an All-Star game in probably, like, six or seven years. Uh, and the draft, it's fun for the internet memes. Like, whoever goes last will get a chuckle out of it. You know, maybe there's some funny jokes or tidbits or Ovi does some, like, you know, goofy Ovi stuff and we all get a kick out of it. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, you, you just got to – I'd probably do away with it and get a World Cup of hockey how about that how about we put our resources towards that or like just do the all-star game like all right team sweden versus team canada here we go you know yeah divide it up into countries why the hell not not? that'd be team team north america and rest of world why not that would be pretty cool i'm pretty sure they've done that before too if i'm not mistaken yeah Basically, if you're the NHL and you can make two changes within the next 24 hours, the first two things you should do are go back to one through eight seating in the postseason and do East-West All-Star games. That's it. I just solved the problem for the NHL. We're done. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So here I love for that. that too. Absolutely here for it. Um, let's see if you guys are here for the newest edition of Empty Better's Uniform Police Department. We've got Vancouver and New Jersey as this week's suspects. Let's dive into it, Nick. I'm I'm pretty sure you were probably the one who put this on here, so I'll let you talk about it. 1,000%. So the Devils are the latest team to be charged with uh, rocking their home buckets with road uniforms. So the dark color helmet with the light colored uniform. Devils obviously with black buckets on the road. What did we think about this, Mac? Let's go to you Less first. offensive than the Leafs thing because it's black, so it just generally doesn't look as crazy. I still kind of stand with my original sentiment of there's really no need for it. You guys are just bored. And I guess you want to bring more items with you on the road or something. Um, It didn't look bad to me, but again, I just was like, I don't need it or care about it. So why are we doing it? I totally agree. Harry. Um, I'm going to disagree with Mac on this one. Actually, I've, not that I think the Leafs one was sick, but I think the Leafs one was better than this. These were just very mid. 
at least like I guess because the Leafs are literally just two colors, I can vibe with it. Whereas you got red, black, and white going on with with jersey. I don't know. I'm I'm probably overthinking this, but I just didn't really care for it. I think out of all the ones we've seen so far, this is the one that I'm most okay with. And maybe just because it matches the horrible black shoulder blocking on their jersey. But I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> basically, what I'm going to boil down to with the Devils every time is you're wearing the wrong jersey every way. Anyways, just go back to the one you had for what forever before you decided to change it like three years ago. So yep. that's my take on that. The Canucks, they pull up in their alternate uniforms to the black skate uni amazing tarp but like they come out with these matte black helmets this one i feel like is going to get divisive harry i want to go to you first i'm a sucker for matte black so obviously i'm gonna think it's cool like i love matt matt is cool like i'm a matt guy and you put it on a canucks uniform i'm probably gonna think it's 10 times cooler than it is could i really tell on television no but when you get the up close i'm like yeah that goes hard i'm i mean i'm cool i'm cool with it I'm kind of with you in that I, I really like the idea of matte black, and I think some things work, but I don't know. I kind of feel similarly about this one where I'm just like, don't mess with something that was already pretty good. Like, I don't think there was anything wrong with you guys just wearing normal black helmets, and now I'm just forced to look at it and be like, hmm, do I like that? Do I not like it? It's different. I don't particularly care one way or another that much, but also – the fact that I don't care is like, you shouldn't have done it. Like if I don't, I mean, obviously it's not about me only, but I don't know, unless like the, the general consensus is that it's awesome. Then I feel like what's the point. Yeah. My thing is kind of like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I feel like one of the coolest things about going to a hockey game live or watching a good feed of a hockey game on TV is you've got this amazing perspective of this reflection coming off the ice the lights are bouncing everywhere it's very bright they're bouncing off the helmets i don't know maybe i'm way over analyzing this but like when they skated out with those my insane hockey uniform ocd was like something's different and it like threw me for like 20 minutes until i figured out what it was but again i would say second to the devils this is probably the one i'm like second most okay with Matt black is not my favorite thing in the world. I think it's like tasteful in certain situations, like certain pieces of like tech look great. Like I think the new Xbox looks incredible, but like if you have Matt black finish on your car, let's just say you and I would not get along. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's a take. That's going to rub me the wrong way. I, yeah. I, I, when I see own. Matt black cars, sorry. When I see a Matt black Audi a five, that's just been lowered. I just want to take a piece of chalk and run it down the side. Wow. Oh, I, I, I kind oh, of feel strongly. Yeah. I'll ask this question real quick for, for the sake of time. Let's just keep it like short answer. But if you had to put a Matt helmet on one team, what team would you put it on? It would go on Vegas because Vegas would be the most typical team to do it. I don't know. I feel like, Matt, like Nick said, Matt Black is the least offensive probably yeah. of any of the options. So, like, I'd probably just keep it where it's at. But anything too crazy, like Vegas would be my last one because that's just going to look so bad. So bad. Or like Seattle would be terrible. A yeah. Teal. teal a matte teal. <laughs> I'm good on that. Give me a uh, give me a matte gray or black finish 
on an LA Kings like black alternate. That that would look cool. If they went back to like the Gretzky black ones, yeah, uh, I, I I could live with that. That'd be a cool one. But uh, okay, we'll move on from this because I know that this is uh dragging a little bit here, and people are like Jesus, these guys really like uniforms. And you would be right. You know what else we also really like making money, and you can make money if you download the Prop Tracker app. Prop Tracker is your home for player prop research and finding outlier bets for NHL, NBA, NFL, and more. Once you find a bet you like, start tracking it to get notified on its progress, like shots, rebounds, or receptions. Go to W or I'm sorry, go to proptracker.com slash empty betters to try a free month of the Android or iOS app. The word tracker and prop tracker does not have the letter E. So prop tracker is spelled P-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K-R. So that's proptracker.com slash empty betters. The link is also in all of our social media bios. We're tweeting about them. We're tagging them. We're putting out a little bit of, you know, data. Uh, last night, I think we had the uh, Ottawa over six and a half was running hot. And then, you know what? The Panthers just had no fucking way. Five nothing. So that one sucks. Was that uh, um, points or penalty minutes? Because I think we might have cleaned up <laughs> if it was penalty minutes. Yeah, I wish it was penalty minutes. That would have been nice. Um, so I'm going to read you guys just a couple stats here. We'll start with Vegas. This is a weird one. Uh, it took a month out after the season started, but Vegas seems to be in their cup, sl- cup slump right now. Uh, they went nine and one in October. They are now five and seven in November, and they are only averaging two point six goals per game in seven of the first twelve games of November. They've scored two goals or less and have been shut out three times. Why is this important? They are playing the Edmonton Oilers tonight, who have a huge light under their ass. So I'm going to go ahead and say, if you have Prop Tracker and you know this, maybe a little Oilers puck line. I know I'm the one saying that. So that could be a problem, but uh, I don't know. We'll see Um, some other props that you guys should be on the lookout for. I'm using the app as I'm reading this right now. Lawson Krause on the Arizona Coyotes. He has goals in seven of his last 10 games. Stud. Would you have known that without prop tracker? Probably not. That's why I'm saying you got to go download Uh, some other names that have been scoring a lot lately that you might not suspect. Cole Perfetti, he has goals in six of his last 10. Uh, who else we got on here? Pavel Buchnevich, five of his last 10. A um, couple other guys here. And then we'll just kind of go over the teams who hit the over the most. Over six and a half, the Canucks have taken first place. 16 of their 22 games have gone over six and a half, followed by the Devils, Lightning, Blue Jackets, and Oilers. You want to be eyeballing those teams if you're betting the over. Um, another example, I'll just breeze through this quick. If you have prop tracker, you can see JT Miller, Austin Matthews, two guys who have been putting the puck in the back of the net all year long, both scoreless in their last two, both on home ice tonight. Feels like something's due there. Just saying. So if this age is nicely and they both score, that is your sign to go download prop tracker. Plus, aren't the Canucks playing Anaheim tonight? Uh, I believe that is correct, and they are on home ice. There you go. That just feels like a puck line cover and a half. I don't know. But um, anyways, that's the gambling segment. We'll move on to trivia. Uh, Matt, keep in mind, we got a couple minutes here. Yep. We'll make this a quick one. Hopefully, you guys are uh, smart. Otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. Hate to break it to you, bud. 
<laughs> yeah. Hamburger. Right, uh, yep. On this day in 2014, this is in your wheelhouse, boys. Come on, you know 2014. On this day in 2014, this player became the third oldest player to score 1,000 points. He hit the magical mark with a second period goal in his team's three to nothing victory over the over their rival Flyers. At the time, I was going to try and have you guys answer this part too, but in the interest of time, I'll just say it. At the time, only Ray Whitney and Nick Lidstrom were older when becoming members of the 1000 Point Club. Hmm. Damn. That's tough. Your big hint in there was rival over flyers. over their rival flyers. I didn't tell I purposely left out the team he played for, but uh that yeah. sounds like Pittsburgh. Old guys on Pittsburgh in 14. I'm not telling you if you have the team right or not. Not yet. That means we still got a couple it. minutes. So I'll throw my first guess out there. I know this won't be right. Drew McGinley. Bill Guerin. Nope. I don't think it's Pittsburgh. Rival fly. It could be the Caps. It's the Caps or the Pens. Was Fedorov in the league in 14? Nobody. You, you two are just staring at each other as I'm I I'm going to say question. no. Nick, you got to guess. Uh, it's not Mark Recchi, is it? Nope. Okay. 20, it's not Fedorov either. 2014. It's definitely a Capital or Penguin. Mm. Rival Flyers. Who else is rival? I mean, unless you're talking like Bruins, maybe? I don't... Are we talking same conference rivals, or could this be rivals from a heated Stanley Cup matchup three to four years prior? It's a division rival. Okay. It's the capture pets. It has to be. 2014, oldest player. 1,000 points. It ain't the Caps or the Pens. Ooh. Islanders, Rangers. Rangers got the eyebrows up. Let's run with the Rangers here, Nick. 2014 Rangers. Old guys. It's not Rick Nash, is it? Nope, but I like where your head's at now. That was a good guess. That was a really good guess. Uh, Oh, I got it. Martin St. Louis. Ding, ding, nice. ding, ding, ding. Nick, nice that's, Nick gets partial credit for that. He he got yeah. the light bulb in my head. For sure. Yeah, I figured that was a good, quick, easy one. Damn, that was a good one, Mac. You want to read the whole prompt? Yep, sure. So on November 28th, 2014, Marty St. Louis became the third oldest player to score 1,000 points. He hit the magical mark with a second-period goal in the Rangers' 3-0 victory over their rival Flyers. At the time, only Ray Whitney and Nick Lidstrom were older, becoming members of the 1,000-point club. There you go. And That's a weird one because it's like all three of those guys. It makes like, you think. And there's so many guys that went through my head just from the East. Well, that they're like all, were they're all three of them are that. legends, but like didn't necessarily rack up points like every fucking game. Like right. they were just like out there doing good shit, but played for so long that they're eventually going to get there. And it's like. Yeah, it's kind of a niche question. That's why I liked it. Good one, though. Kept us on our toes. Yes, sir. That, that would have been tough if you didn't steer us in the right team direction. So I appreciate yeah. that in the, in the interest of time. Yep. 
I've also heard from I'll, this is the last thing I'll say. I know we got to wrap up. Uh, I've heard from one listener who will remain anonymous. He has claimed that every time you do trivia, he is somehow driving home from work and he is legitimately like punching the steering wheel. And he's just like, not because he knows the answer, but he's just like, you guys are like flirting with the right idea. And after like two or three guesses from you and Nick, I know the answer and it drives me nuts. But he also said huh. it's the most entertaining part of the show. That's so. good. Right. I wonder All who right. that could be. Yeah, I think I know exactly who it is, but anonymous. Uh, but anyways, we appreciate the love and support as always. Thank you to everyone who listened. If you guys don't have any final notes, we'll get out of here. No, I'm good. All righty. Well, without further ado, class dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>